Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Some Look at Scott, where Scott and I are going to be giving our predictions for the 2019 Oscars in just a moment. But like I've already kind of alluded to, with me today, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Uh, Excited to talk about uh, some of the movies and performances that got nominated for Oscars. Uh, Not so much about some of the other ones, which... Uh, I'll be frank, didn't deserve it. Uh, But, you know, that's just par for the course for the Oscars. Uh, But, you know, it's hard to focus on the negative because I I saw the Lego movie, too, last night. And it's hard to have anything but a smile on your face after watching one of those movies. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's important to remember, Scott, that, you know, everything may not be awesome, but you can try to make it a little bit more awesome. So why don't we try to find the silver lining in the Oscars and and, and pick some winners? Uh, I'm here for it. Absolutely. All right, Scott. So in just a moment, we're going to be getting to our predictions. We're going to run through as many of them that we're knowledgeable about. So it will exclude a few, uh, especially the short categories. You know, I had the option of going to my local indie theater and, and seeing all the live action documentary and, and animated shorts. But, you know, I just didn't feel like it was uh, worth my time to walk over the, the two plus miles over to the indie theater uh, to, to do that, which is probably a shame. I probably should do it. It'd make me a better film critic. Maybe I don't know. But I didn't do it. And so we're going to be skipping over those categories today. But before we get to more all of our predictions, we do have an announcement. We're doing things a little bit differently this year. First, you know, we're doing this special episode, this dedicated episode to our Oscar predictions, unlike last year where we kind of just shoehorned it into an episode. But we're also doing a sort of some like it's got competition for Oscar predictions. Scott, do you want to tell our listeners who maybe haven't heard about this yet about that? Yeah, so we're doing a some like it's got Oscar pool. If you go to our Twitter media plug pods at media plug pods, uh, you can find the link there to a Google form. Uh, you'll go on that. You'll fill out your picks for who you think is going to win in each category at the Oscars. And the winner uh, will not get a cash prize because we're broke, but they will get a chance to, first of all, pick a movie, any movie, black and white, shorts, whatever. Maybe you want us to watch the actual Oscar shorts. We'll do that um, if, if that's what you want. You get to pick up. Yeah, a- you know, I, that would be an interesting one because I, I I guess they're probably out on YouTube or something like that. Yeah, I would say so. But that would be one of the more challenging ones for us just to figure out how to go see all of them and, and talk about them. That would yeah. actually be kind of fun. If someone's looking for a new challenge for the Some Like It's Got podcast, that would that would be cool. Yeah, but yeah, so you get to pick any movie, uh, old or new, for us to discuss. And we'll uh, we'll review that on a future episode of, of the podcast. And also, if you so choose, um, you are able to join us for uh, that episode of the podcast. So get on that Google form. You still got a little bit of time, but... Don't wait too long to to make your predictions, and uh, and I'll be scoring those on Oscar night, and maybe you'll be the lucky winner. Only time will tell, Scott. And it's important to know that you don't have to beat us; you just have to be the best of the rest of the pool. But if you beat us, all the better. Yeah, uh, you're not going to, but uh, <laughs> good luck with. It. Well, I guess it's time to time for everyone to figure out what they're up against because we're going to make our Oscar predictions, Scott. Um, for those of you who might have already clicked into the to the Google form and, and looked at how we're going, we're just going to run straight down that list. And then, like I mentioned, we might skip over the short categories just because we, we don't have any knowledge. Of course, we'll make our predictions, we'll make our guesses, but they will be only that. They will be only guesses. But Scott, let's get started. Best visual effects. We have Avengers Infinity War, Christopher Robin, First Man, Ready Player One, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. I'd love to see this go to First Man just because I think it was a very technically uh, impressive movie, maybe the most technically impressive movie for me of last year. But uh, I think this one is uh, Avengers Infinity Wars to lose. It's Disney. We know how hard they campaign for their movies for the Oscars. And I mean, this this movie spent the most money on the visual effects. So uh, if if they don't win, um, I I would be pretty surprised. So I I think it's going to be Avengers. Yeah, you know, I, I would think that Ready Player One might give could have given it a, a run for its money if the movie had just been better. I don't know how else to put that. Uh, if the movie had been better, I mean, its special effects, its visual effects are 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 really great, regardless of the, the ultimate quality of the movie. But I, I'm with you, Scott. Avengers Infinity War is the only way I see this category going. Uh, that's not to say that 
it will win. Uh, but I think that I, I think I said this on a recent episode of the podcast, but I think that oftentimes the amount you spend on visual effects is a direct correlation to how good your visual effects are. And they spent the most money, like you said. And so I, I expect them to come out on top. But, you know, Oscar voters have done crazy things before, and it won't be the last time we say that Oscar voters are crazy on this episode. So we'll see. Yep. All right. Best costume design. We have the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots. Scott, what you got? I'm going with Black Panther on this one. It was one of the most nominated movies. And I think we talked about this on our awards episode, but it's a movie where the costumes really stand out. They're really distinctive. They're not like anything we've seen in any other Marvel or superhero movie for that matter. They're worthy of recognition. I mean, certainly the movies like The Favorite and Mary Queen of Scots have very great Victorian era costumes, but they don't have the same unique flair that that the costumes for Black Panther had. So I'm going with Black Panther. Yeah, I think I mean, everyone's talking about how this could, you know, will this be the break of the, you know, superhero curse in the sense of, you know, will the Oscars take the superhero movies, the comic book movies seriously? I don't know if wins and visual effects and costume design are, are exactly what people are talking about when they say that. But I agree with you. I think Black Panther had the best costumes of, of these five in the last year. I think that it's probably between Black Panther and The Favorite. I wouldn't be shocked if something like the if The Favorite were to win in this category. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure that Black Panther really has a good shot at another category. I know we might talk about how, you know, maybe it's in the running for best picture uh, in terms of a long shot. Maybe it's in the running for best original song, but it's probably not going to win either of those categories. And if it's going to get an award, it probably is going to be here. And I'm, you know, two for two. We're going to be the same here, Scott. I'm going with Black Panther as well. Yep. All right. Best makeup and hairstyle. And we only get three nominees in this one, Scott. Border, Mary Queen of Scots, and Vice. What do you think the where do you think the academy is going to go for this one? I have to confess I don't e- I don't think I even really know what border is, but I think it's I think it's a movie that was released in 2018. Okay, uh, interesting. Now that changes <laughs> yeah. my perspective a little bit. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean I I'm not I will not be speaking the uh, words word vice in any sort of positive context today. So I'm going with uh, Mary Queen of Scots, um, and I do think. You know, I, personally, I, I might have snuck Suspiria in there, but I think it, it was excellent, as we noted at the time. Um, you know, the Margot Robbie white uh, makeup, mm-hmm. of course, an excellent example of, of how it's used in the movie. Um, so, yeah, really, uh, really liked this aspect of Mary Queen of Scots, and I think it'll take it home. Yeah, I, clearly the, the Academy really liked Vice. They nominated it for too many awards, I would say. I know that you would say one was too many awards for this movie. I mean, Vice's hair and makeup is front and center the entire time. You d- you barely recognize Christian Bale uh, behind the mask, uh, the the makeup and hairstyling mask of Dick Cheney, and so I think that Vice has a has a real or has a real chance a, a, of winning this category. My heart wants wants Mary Queen of Scots to win it because I think that it was a good movie that that was unfortunate to go head to head with a movie that was at, at least aesthetically very similar to it in the favorite. Uh, at the at the exact same time of year. And so you know, even though I thought the favorite was better than Mary Queen of Scots, I think that it probably got overlooked a little bit. So, you know, my I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of, of the Oscars and and I know that they really like Vice. I just think that. Oh, oh man, I'm, I'm torn on this one, Scott. It's this is actually really hard because I would pick Mary Queen of Scots in a heartbeat if I were if I were a voter. But I know that they like Vice. Hmm. I'm going to go with Mary Queen of Scots, too. I'm just wondering if I... I won't be surprised if Vice wins this one. Nor will I. Best Original Songs guy. We don't have to take much time on this one except to just read the nominees and then uh, say say the name that's going to win. Best Original Song, All the Stars from Black Panther, I'll Fight from RBG, The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, Shallow from A Star is Born, When a Cowboy Trades a Spur for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I mean, yeah, you said it. Who could forget I'll Fight from RBG? I mean, I think clearly the standout song, no, it's it's going to be shallow. Um, Lady Gaga has kind of faded out of the best actress category, best actress discussion, but she's going to get her Oscar for this song. This is one of the slam dunk picks of the evening. Yeah, I think that to, to your to, to push back a little bit on what you're saying, I, I OK, first, I agree that I don't I don't actually don't remember this song. I don't remember there being a song in RBG for there to be a best original song from, but yeah. I went back and listened to the song and it's really good. So I literally don't know how I don't remember it from the movie. Is it Jennifer Hudson? Is that who it is? I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. But also, I mean, it's it's going to be shallow. If it's not shallow, man, I'll just I'll be shook. I'll rip up my it, it's, it's a ballot buster, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's like UNBC beating Virginia right there. Exactly. But a category which which might be a little bit more difficult to predict is uh, best original score, Scott. Black Klansman, Black Panther, If Bill Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, and Mary Poppins Returns. Who's going to win this one? Man, this is a tough one just because, you know, I would have gone with First Man, not just because I think it's clearly the best, but because it had been winning everything else. Um, so for now, I think it's probably a toss-up between Black Panther and Beale Street. Oh, man, I, I guess I'm going to go with Black Panther just because, again, I think uh, this is one of the standout movies of the year in terms of Oscar recognition, in terms of people talking about this movie. Uh, and I think, you know, the Oscars, obviously, they're doing a bunch of dumb stuff to try and appeal to younger audiences. And so maybe they... Uh, they're going to go with Black Panther. Not that that's a dumb thing. I think Black Panther has an excellent score. But again, to try and appeal to uh, a certain demographic, maybe they'll, they'll go with Black Panther here, which more people, of course, are, are likely to have seen than Beale Street. But then again, who knows? Maybe they're just going to give this out during a commercial break and no one will actually see it. Yeah, we get to the end of it. And we're just like, wait, 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 who won this? <laughs> yeah. Um, you you know, can't Scott, even complete our Oscar pool. You probably you might be forgetting who wrote who did the score for uh, Isle of Dogs because uh, last yeah. year's Oscar winner Alexander Desplat is lot, back yeah. in the nominees for Isle of Dogs. So uh, are you are you considering that at all? I mean, clearly the Oscars like Desplat. I just don't think that this is a that Isle of Dogs was a uh, big enough movie. Probably again, it's hard to know what the Academy looks at here. I mean, they're obviously not just looking at the quality of the music, or they would have picked First Man. So. I mean, who who knows? Again, I mean, like you said, he this plot gets nominated about every year. So maybe this is just sort of a recognition for, hey, we always like you. We always nominate you. So here's your you know nomination, sort of like Meryl Streep getting nominated for showing up in five minutes of something. Yeah. Um, but then again, maybe, you know, they're actually going to give him the award again. Maybe. Only time will tell. Scott, I think I was really surprised to hear you say that you think it's between Black Panther and if Bill Street could talk, because I think all the talk that I've heard about this category coming coming up is actually kind of the momentum is with Terrence Blanchard, who who did the score for Black Klansman. And I think that this might be where Black Klansman gets uh, gets its recognition. I think that it, obviously it's nominated for plenty of categories. I'm not sure if it's going, if it's a real contender in any other category except for this one. And so I'm actually going to go with Black Klansman on this. I think Spike Lee is going to get uh, left out in the cold um, in, in almost every other category that Black Klansman's in, but I think that it might get best original score. I'd be cool with that. It, it was a good score. Yeah, for sure. All right, best production design, Black Panther, First Man, The Favorite, Roma, and Mary Poppins Returns. This is another tough one. I feel like Black Panther, again, has to be in the conversation. I also feel like the favorite, those like very intricately designed sets inside the the palace. Also very interesting the way that they filmed a lot of the scenes in the palace. But of course, that probably goes to cinematography more than anything. I think, again, I'm going to have to go with Black Panther just because that world of Wakanda was so immersive and was one of the major talking points that that people from Black Panther discussing and, you know, just the way that they were able to construct that world that really not many people were familiar with going into the movie, except for, you know, big time comic book people was was something special. And now, you know, Wakanda is is a household name. So shout out to the set designers for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if Black Panther is going to make a splash outside of the, the costume design, it's going to be in this category, the world that they create you know, the world within a world almost, right? Like you have the MCU uh, constructed at, at a macro level and and then the Wakanda that they are able to create within the MCU is something that is really special. And and just in, in the way that it's its costumes were really special in terms of what it did, uh, you know, mi- mixing it up in the MCU and doing something special there, you know, with Ryan Coogler's vision uh, onto the screen. I think that this is another example of Ryan Coogler's vision. Of course, if Black Panther wins the award, it's not it's not going to go to Ryan Coogler because he didn't do the production design for it. But I think it, all, it does tie back to what he and all of the people who are involved in the production and the making of this film uh, it's their it's their vision and the fact that Kevin Feige and Marvel gave it to them to do that it, it is a you know a testament to how much 
and how respected uh, Ryan Coogler and his team are. And for that, I'm going with Black Panther as well. I, again, it's not it's going to be one of those things, just like in costume design, where I won't be surprised if the favorite pulls it out. But um, yeah, I think I think Black Panther is going to be my pick as well. Moving right along, we have the two sound categories coming up next. First, we're going to do mixing, best sound mixing. Again, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Roma, and A Star is Born. I don't know. You know, I personally, I would probably give it to A Star is Born. I think the the sound obviously was was great in that movie, um, The how immersive the concert scenes were. But I think the Academy is probably trending more towards Bohemian Rhapsody when we're talking about the two more uh, music-based films that are up for uh, Best Picture, of course. And so I think Bohemian Rhapsody is going to get it, even though I think A Star is Born deserves it. You could even make a case for, I mean, you could make a case for any of these other nominees. Uh, I think First Man obviously had great sound mixing as well. But I'm going to go with Bo Rap. I know that must pain you to, to say that. It, it it definitely does. So let's just yeah, so it's, focus on it. <laughs> yeah, I was interested that you're talking about a Star is Born. A Star is Born is the one is the one that's not nominated in both categories here. So you know we're going to talk about sound editing in a second. But a Star is Born gets replaced by a Quiet Place in that. But you know what, Scott? I'm I'm all aboard the a Star is Born train here. I, I think that it's un, it's unusual to see you know a movie not nominated for both. I think all you know it's very common for these movies to be nominated in both categories. And it makes sense. Like these, these awards do go hand in hand. They are different, but they do go hand in hand in a lot of ways. But I, I think that it's notable, not in a negative way about a star is born. I think it's actually notable in a positive way. Be like, you know what? Forget the sound editing portion of it. What they were able to capture in the mixing and, and the sounds that they captured for a star is born is what's truly special about the sound of the film. And I think that the Academy is going to follow through. And you know what? I think they might, they might put a star is born down. So, you know, a, a Titanic clash of the two musical movies here and not musical in the sense of they were musicals, but centering, centering around music. And so we'll, we'll see who comes out on top. I hope you're wrong. And I hope I'm right uh, for more than one reason. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you say it's not negative, that the connotation might not be negative, but I don't know. I've heard a lot of people criticizing the editing in a star is born and it's not something that i picked up on a first watch i'd have to go back and like probably be consciously looking for it on a second watch but that to me sig i i think people's comments signal more to me maybe why a star is born got nominated in one and not the other right no and i'm, I'm agreeing with you i think that they recognize that the editing is not what was special about a star is born it was the mixing it was the sound that they actually yeah. captured and 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 mixed into the end of the film that's what was special. And I think that's why it's not, I think that's why it's getting called out in this category. And I think that, you know, when you have your ballot in front of you and you see like, Oh yeah, a star is born that uh, it's not in both categories. It's in mixing. It's mixing was really good. I, I'm hoping that, that that's the thought process they go through. And, and uh, I think they, I think that they will select a star is born. So we'll see if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, but, but yeah, I'm going with the star is born. Cool. Awesome. Sound editing, black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, first man, Roma and a quiet place. I'm not gonna deviate from the the path here. I think Bo Rap again. Um, generally, the Academy will give the sound awards to the same movie, and so I think I think it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Even though the sound editing in the Live Aid scene mainly consisted of pressing play on the Live Aid concert from YouTube, but yeah, again, uh, I I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going to do it, but I'd really be confused why Bo Rap wins sound editing. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. This, so they, they, it feels they did, more like a film editing. They did edit some of the the concert out. I mean, they, that that's not the full concert that you see in the movie, obviously. But yeah, but there's nothing intricate about the editing yeah. with the sound that they do. I think I think it, the what, the argument that you're kind of putting forth for this to win to me sounds like film editing. So I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think it's going to win either category. If I'm being blunt, but I, you know, this is the one where I think. First Man could strike a little bit of gold. Yeah. Uh, for, first Man or A Quiet Place are kind of the top two for me. I think that, uh, again, sim similar to what A Star is Born did, A Quiet Place here is popping and sound editing because there's nothing special about the sound mixing uh, that A Quiet Place did, but the way they put the film together and, and inter interweaved, that's the right word, interweaved the sound with the movie. That's what's special about A Quiet Place. That's what helps amp up that tension. That being said, I think first man and, and the sound editing that you get with those scenes of, of flight. You know what I mean? The, you, you know, we talked so many times about, you know, those scenes where you, the, the, the pure horror of being, you know, in a rocket that in, in outer space or in the atmosphere, whatever it might be. Sound is such a visceral part 
of that experience. And I think that first man might take this one. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see that, but I'm again, I'm just cynical. I've been hurt too many times. You know, I can't blame you for that. It's, it's, uh, I feel that too. Best film editing, black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, green book, the favorite and vice. Oh man, this one is tough. I I don't think it's going to go to Bohemian Rhapsody just because this movie has gotten a lot of flack in recent weeks for how bad it's editing is, or at least in one particular scene that's been going around. And I think probably will at least have passed some Oscar voters doorstep. This, you know, the the criticism that the film editing is going to get here. Green Book, nothing to me really sticks out about the editing of of that movie. But again, it, it is traditional Oscar bait. So who knows? I think this could be one for Vice, if I'm being honest with you, the way that Adam McKay cuts together these various, you know, he he has like the, the end credit sequence that plays halfway through. And th- there's a lot of different uh, sort of directorial flourishes that are going on in and out of various scenes in the movie. All of them are, are pointless and, and un- unnecessary. But, you know, I, I guess from an editing standpoint, there's nothing you can really fault the movie from an editing perspective, again, I don't. I, I just honestly don't know how Searching doesn't get a nominee, nom- at least a nomination here. But I, I'm gonna choose Vice. I think as as what the Academy will go with. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I. I guess I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember thinking very highly of much of anything to do with Vice. But it's editing. I don't. Uh, kind of like what you're saying with Green Book. I don't really know. I mean, what what are they editing? Like the the cutbacks to. I forget the narrator's, the actor's name who does the narrate. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. Like, I guess they edited with that and they had like some some pause moments and they rolled the credits. They did a fake out and rolled the credits 60 minutes in. If only that movie had ended 60 minutes in. Uh, I, I don't know what editing goes on there. For me, maybe the Academy is is silly and they'll pick Vice for this. But to me, of, of these five, Black Klansman is the one that pops for film editing for me. And, and that's the one I'm I'm going to go with. Maybe I'm just being naive and, and it'll be vice. Who knows? But I'm going with Black Klansman. Yeah. And, you know, we're putting this on record now, but I, I very well may uh, go back on this before the uh, the actual show. But the, again, this may just be my cynical self talking right now. And maybe when I actually uh, get get to the heart of it, I'll, uh, I'll change my mind. But right now I'm going to be uh, be hard hearted about it. All right. Well, Scott, maybe a category that will warm your heart a little bit more. Uh, best foreign language film. Capernaum, Cold War, Never Look Away, Roma, and Shoplifters. I mean, you know, I would have said that Roma is the obvious front runner here, but like you have to wonder with Pavel Pavlovsky getting a Best Director nomination, if Cold War maybe has a sleeper chance here. I, I mean, ultimately, I'm still going to predict Roma, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Academy decided to give Best Foreign Language Film to Cold War and then give Best Picture to Roma. Could be an interesting way of spreading the wealth. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That best director so, so nomination are, is just, it throws me off a little bit. Yeah, no, I hear you. So are you going with Cold War or are you going with Roma? Sorry. I'm still going with Roma, but it's not as much of a slam dunk as I would have originally thought. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That, that was a wild card to see Pavel Pavlovsky get in over, I mean, Bradley Cooper. Ever, I mean, listeners of our podcast will know that I am a, you know, I've I've done a complete 180 on Bradley Cooper's as a as a movie as a movie entity, <laughs> um, but you know, so be it. Yeah, I agree. My, you know, originally like you like pretty much like you were alluding to, I'd have said this is as slam dunk as Shallow or um, Into the Spider Verse in a little bit. But you know, it, maybe there's more of a question mark around this. I can't not go with Roma because it's the best movie in this category, and I think that the Oscars will know that as well the academy knows that as well we'll just see if they don't like give the kind of on honor honorable nod uh, to cold war just because they you know maybe roma's a, a favorite for best picture which is not something that you see from a foreign language film usually all right uh like like we said at the outset of the show kind of going to skip over here best live action short film be- and best documentary short so that brings us to best documentary feature scott free solo hail county this morning this evening minding the gap of fathers and sons and RBG. I mean, this category is almost more about what didn't make it in, right? Like, Won't You Be My Neighbor and Three Identical Strangers both getting snubbed, both movies that I think people thought would firmly be in there, both missing out, which I think makes it a far more interesting race because 
Uh, I, I would have said beforehand that Won't You Be My Neighbor was what would have been my pick, but now it's not even in there. So I think for me, it's between Free Solo and RBG. I think RBG is probably the more is probably the safer choice. It doesn't do anything really spectacularly in terms of the way that it tells the story of RBG. But, you know, it's a solid crowd-pleasing documentary that of the nominees here is probably the one that most people, like it is the one that has been seen by the most people. But also I think Free Solo, it's something, you know, it wasn't something that crossed my radar originally, but the more I hear people talk about it, the more I kind of want to check it out. Uh, Visually, it's supposed to be amazing. It, it's been getting some IMAX runs over the past week or two. So I think I might actually give the nod to Free Solo. I think just from what I've been seeing, from what I've been you know reading on Twitter and stuff, it's it's tre- it's been trending upwards recently. Um, so I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see it take it home. So I, I'm going to give a slight edge to Free Solo over RBG. Yeah, that's actually the direction I'm going as well. You know, I you said that probably more people have seen RBG over Free Solo. You know, based on the people that I that I kind of interact with on a daily basis and, and what movies they've seen, Scott, I think more people have seen Free Solo than RBG. Interesting. Okay. I, you know, there, I think there's actually been quite a lot of hype around this movie, and m- maybe it started as a more niche movie in a way. May, I mean, right? Like maybe a few people saw it, but then I think the like to your point, the visuals and and how well received it was by people who saw it. Uh, I, I think that that spread more people saw it. It's getting re reshown. Um, and, and I think that to one of your original points about certain documentaries that we would have thought would have made it getting left out here, it could in part be the fact that CNN films is responsible for both RBG and three identical strangers. And they probably put all their, all their chips behind RBG, uh, to win this category. And you know what? I think they're going to come up a little bit short. I think this is going to be free solo. All right. Next category, best cinematography. Uh, I think we have to cut away to a break here and we'll, Sarah, are you sure we want to give this one out in the actual show? Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're going to be able to. But you might as well. You know, we, we can be even worse than the Oscars. Though we can read the nominees and then cut to a break and then never talk about who we actually pick. Yeah. All right. Best cinematography: Cold War, The Favorite, Never Look Away, Roma, and A Star Is Born. It's got to be Roma. I mean, you know, personally, I would love to see A Star Is Born, A Star Is Born win. But what all of what the cinematography in Roma accomplished beyond just being pretty to look at is more than it, the cinematography in, in any film I can remember seeing in a long time. And you know the fact that it's the director himself who who shot this movie, I think, will only add to the buzz for for Roma in this category. So I'm going with Alfonso Cuarón here. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you know what I think about Matthew Liebatique and his performance in The Star is Born and the cinematography he was able to capture alongside the direction of Bradley Cooper. You know, I wouldn't be disappointed whatsoever if The Star is Born took this one home. But I think you're right. Roma is the landmark piece of cinematography, the landmark uh, piece of direction and the landmark movie of the year for me. And I think that, you know, based on all the shots that you see circulated all the time, all the talk about this movie is about Alfonso Cuaron. And I think he's going to clean up in the categories that he specifically is nominated in, right? You know, Roma's got 10 nominations, a ton of nominations for stuff. Uh, but Alfonso Cuaron is specifically nominated for two of them. And that is, you know, best cinematography here and best direction. I think he's going to win both. I'm going with Roma, but wouldn't be disappointed if it were Star is Born. Agreed. All right. Best original screenplay. Scott, uh, there's some obvious ones missing here. Probably the most frustrating category to look at. Uh, but here we go. First Reformed, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. This one's really interesting because, you know, of course, again, you had a, something you would have said was the front runner with Green Book. And then I think, honestly, more in this category than any other category, you might say it has taken the, the it has felt the brunt of some negative publicity um, with some of the remarks that Nick Vellalonga has made outside of the script and also as, you know, a lot of accusations from Dr. Shirley's family himself that it may not have been very authentic to the to the true story. So I think that the buzz is going to hurt it, that the negative press is going to hurt this movie. Uh, and I'm going to actually go with the favorite to pull off an upset here. You know, it's the most nominated movie alongside Roma. And I think Again, I when I saw this movie, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before, and I think the script is a major part of that. We we're not used to hearing characters talk like these characters do in, in the in a Victorian setting, and I think Yorgos Lanthimos might steal the the statue for this one. Hey, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. That is actually the direction I'll go. I will say that Yorgos Lanthimos will not be the one taking the statue. It's Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. But I forget that he doesn't write his movies. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has like his his like circle of, of people that you yeah know, can can capture whatever his mind is thinking in the story form. But you're right. I think it. I mean, Green Book again. It was one of the slam dunks going into the season, and then between Nick Vallelonga and to your point, the authenticity of the story being in question. I think that's really taken some shots. You know, maybe it can overcome that, but I think that the the kind of the tidal wave of, of I should say wave after wave almost of you know negative press has really brought this one down. I agree with you there, and I would not at all be surprised uh, to see the favorite win. In fact, I, that is the direction I'm going. I think that I'd actually maybe be surprised to see anything else win, and especially if Adam McKay were to win for Vice, I would be very surprised. All right, adapted screenplay, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, If Bill Street Could Talk, A Star is Born. Again, another close one. I think this could be a chance for Can You Ever Forgive Me to take home a statue because I don't think it's going to win anything else. Um, It is nominated, of course, in a couple of acting categories, but I think it's got a good shot here, but I think I'm going to go with Black Klansman on this one. Uh, I think just the the relevance of this movie uh, to where we find ourselves politically. I, you know, I, I, Scott, I actually, I told you this, but I had the fortune of hearing Ron Stallworth speak the other night at the university where I attend, and he definitely had a lot of things to say about the current political moment uh, in addition to telling his own story. Um, and I think that the screenplay reflects, you know, the, the fact that this isn't just a story about something that happened in the 70s. This is a story about, you know, where we are today as well. And I think that uh, it's very incisive in telling that story. So I think this one's going to go to uh, the writers of Black Klansman. I think I think you're spot on with what it's going to come down to. Right? I think it's going to come down to Can You Ever Forgive Me and Black Klansman. I think that my heart would say, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Because I think that it's getting it's getting left out of the conversation and being overlooked in categories where maybe it, it shouldn't be like it like it probably should have a better chance in act in best actress and best um, supporting actor. The reality is though, I think neither Melissa McCarthy nor, nor Richard E. Grant are really anywhere near the conversation, unfortunately. And so maybe maybe it will get a nod here if, if we if we can hope as much. But that being said, I think it might be a good year for Spike Lee. Uh, I mean, not only with the number of nominations that his movie has gotten, but if he were to get, if this were to get best adapted screenplay, he would be getting the trophy for it. So, you know, and it'd be his first Oscar. I mean, yeah, we kind of marveled at the fact already that it's his first Oscar, his first Oscar nomination for best director, which is still just mind mind boggling to me. Crazy. Yeah. It's almost a coin flip here. I think, I mean, the, the the Academy just is, is clearly preferring black Klansman across the board here. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if adapted screenplay, it wins it. So I'm going to go with black Klansman too. All right. Skipping over best animated short. We're driving at best animated feature. Scott, you know, we had one slam dunk already with shallow. Is this another slam dunk here? We have incredibles Two, Isle of dogs, Mirai, Ralph breaks the internet and Spider-Man into the spider verse. Is it, is it, is it a slam dunk? I don't think so. I think this is where my uh, my hard heart is going to say I've been hurt too many times before and to, to think that it's not going to happen again. So I, I think it's going to be The Incredibles, too. I think Disney pours so much into these movies and, and you know, in terms of campaigning for them. I mean, the, if you look at the who has won this award, like over the course of history, it's like skews so disproportionately towards Pixar. And I think that The Incredibles 2 is the safe choice here. I mean, it's not a groundbreaking film in the way that Spider-Man was, but I think that a lot of people still re- really enjoy The Incredibles 2. And I think that kind of like they, you know, they didn't, they clearly didn't get the Lego movie. There's going to be Oscar voters out there who are just aren't going to get Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in the same way that they they probably will get The Incredibles. So regrettably, I have to think that the Oscars are going to go against the tide here and go with the Incredibles. But again, I could not be rooting harder for myself to be wrong on this one. Well, Scott, the good news is if you're wrong, then I'm probably going to be right because I'm going with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think that this is a slam dunk. I understand your your hesitation to to select something that's not with to to not select something that has Pixar in the title when it's available in this category. But I think that into the Spider-Verse is going to do it. I think the a better a better Incredibles two might might have uh, taken taken the Oscar here even if it weren't as good as Spider Verse but I think that 
this is universally considered to not be as good as the first one. I think even people who are huge fans of it will tell you that it's not as good as the original. Um, I'm not saying that's everyone, but I think most people will feel that way. And I, I hope that the kind of diversified Academy voter group um, will like Spider-Verse will resonate with them. I think that there's, it's not just old white people anymore. I think that the diverse, both in terms of gender and also in terms of ethnicity, I'm, I'm hoping that Spider-Verse hits with more people. And I think that Spider-Verse does hit with more people. And I think that Spider-Verse will take home the Oscar here. I sure hope so. All right. Best director. Maybe this is a slam dunk scat. I don't know, but we have some heavy hitters here. Spike Lee, Black Klans for Black Klansman. Pavel Pavlovsky for Cold War. Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. And Adam McKay for Vice. <laughs> I mean, it's just absurd that he's even nominated. Let's, I mean, let's just acknowledge that, first of all. Over, I mean, of course, Bradley Cooper, the obvious snub. But, I mean, heck, Peter Farrelly did a better directing job of Green Book than than, Vi- than Adam McKay did with Vice. I mean, anyway, uh, I think I, I just I just don't I mean, like pop, popular belief is just, is not as negative on Vice as as we are. I mean, I've seen it on plenty of people's like top five, top ten lists. I've seen it in, as people's bet like best movie of 2018, which I, I personally don't understand. But I mean, this this movie clearly resonates with with a lot of people. You know, may, maybe their perspective on the movie is, is different from ours, not in terms of, you know, whether or not the political message resonated with them, but maybe they just took it less seriously than we did. You know, Adam McKay, known for movies like Anchorman, maybe they just have a different perspective on the movie and, and can take it for what it's worth and, and maybe better understand what Adam McKay was trying to do with it. Obviously, neither of us are in that camp. But to discard it, I think that uh, maybe some people in the Academy will discard it. But the question is how many of them will? Well, I think enough of them will and enough of them will go with Alfonso Cuaron here. You know, as crazy as it is to look at Adam McKay being nominated and say, well, obviously the Academy is seeing something that we're not seeing. I I think everyone is going to see the kind of craft that went into Roma and, you know, the fact that this is a movie that uh, is obviously very close to his heart. Again, um, that doesn't necessarily bode uh, well in terms of results. Like Richard Linklater obviously spent, you know, 12 years making Boyhood, a movie that was basically autobiographical, and he ended up losing out uh, to Alf- Alejandro Inaritu. So, so, you know, just the fact that it's his passion project doesn't necessarily translate to, oh, he's got this. But I think it's not as strong a year in this category as it was when we had Inari 2 also up there for Birdman. Obviously, he brought a very interesting directorial style uh, to that movie. And I don't think that there's necessarily an equivalent of that that we have in in the category this year. So I'm going to go with Alfonso Cuaron. I mean, wasn't also Whiplash that year as well? So you had Damien Chazelle. I don't even know if he was nominated, though. I think the the point is is that you're absolutely right. It was a different year lot stronger of a group of people nominated i think that i mean i've already mentioned it i think that the and you mentioned as well the obvious snub here is bradley cooper that's not to say that bradley cooper would win this i think that this is in alfonso Cuarón's pocket um for best director uh, and the, to your point about richard linklater not winning for boyhood yeah it was a stronger year that year as well in yara two is was a, a Birdman and what in yara two did with that film i personally love it I haven't seen Boyhood, so I can't speak to whether it was better than what Linklater did for Boyhood. Crime against humanity. Like Scott, slowly but surely, I'm working my way back, man. <laughs> um, but Alfonso, but Alfonso Cuarón this year, I think it's also what helps for him. I think it's not just his passion project, which I think it does help it, right? But to your point, it's happened in the past where your passion project doesn't win. But the political moment really pushes this movie forward. Uh, whether you like it or not, I think that this movie about Mexico in this political climate, when this Hollywood with this Academy probably is going to hit harder than Richard Linklater's autobiographical story at the time that it was made. Uh, just if, I mean, even though it was just a few years ago, right? That, that doesn't resonate with, it might resonate with people on a, on a personal level, but it doesn't resonate in the same way in the context of the time. Right. So, and I think that that is what's going to, that's, what's going to get Roma over the line. If there is any question, I personally don't think there's any question, but if there was, that would get us over the line there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think you're, that's a good point. And just to do our due diligence, uh, Damien Chazelle was not nominated for Best Director for Whiplash, only Best Screenplay. Who are the other nominees for Best Director that year, then? I'll get back to you. Let's move on to the next category. <laughs> yeah, we'll buy you some time. We'll vamp. We'll vamp for yeah. you. All right, Best Supporting Actress, Amy Adams for Vice, Marina de Tavira for Roma, 
Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone for The Favorite, and Rachel Weisz for The Favorite. I mean, this has got to be Regina King's, I think, of the acting categories. This is probably the closest we have to a slam dunk. Um, you know, Best Supporting Actor, I think, is, is pretty set in stone as well. But she's won everything. Uh, and Beale Street is a movie that, again, it, with the exception of that, maybe that uh, original score uh, category, I don't think is going to win anything. So I think this is its chance to get the recognition. So I'm going with Regina King. Agreed. I think that maybe if only one person from the favorite, if either Emma Stone or Rachel Weisz were nominated, maybe one of them could sneak in ahead of Regina King. But if there's, you know, if there was going to be another winner, it was probably going to be someone from the favorite. But then you have the vote split here. And so I think that leaves it to Regina King. Uh, if Bill Street could talk, like you said, it's a pretty safe bet, I think. Uh, you know, I've heard conversations around like a lot of the acting categories are kind of safe bets this year. We'll see if that actually comes to be true. But, you know, it, there's been a pretty consistent messaging across all the awards shows here. Now, it is true that Regina King didn't win at the Directors Guild Awards. Um, but or was it the P- sorry, maybe it was the Producers Guild Awards. I can't remember. My apologies. One of the award shows Regina King didn't win at because she wasn't nominated. But the person who won for that was... Emily Blunt, who's not in this category. Yeah, who isn't nominated here. So at the end of the day, I think this is Regina King's. I don't think anyone's really challenging her. Amy, there's not enough buzz around Amy Adams for Vice. Marina, it was a surprise nomination that Marina DeFair got nominated for Roma. And like I said, with the split vote from the two actresses from The Favorite, I think it's it's a pretty pretty sensible conclusion that Regina King, even without all the uh, awards hype that she's received in uh, in the award show so far, it's it's her award to win. Or to lose, I should say. Yeah, so just to, again, do our due diligence. The nominees um, in 2015 for Best Director were Inyari 2 for Birdman. Uh, you had Wes Anderson for the Grand Budapest Hotel. You had Linklater for Boyhood. You had Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher. Interesting choice. Perhaps the most interesting choice of all, you had Martin Tildum for The Im- Imitation Game. Um, not sure how those last two got in over Chazelle, but again, Oscars will be Oscars. Did you see the imitation game? Uh, yes, I did. It was a good movie. I love it. Not extremely well directed, in my opinion. That's true. That the direction is not what I remember from that movie. But hey, Oscars make bad decisions all the time. Oh yeah. All right, Scott. Moving on. We only got a few categories left here. We're moving on to supporting actor Sam Rockwell for Vice, Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born, and Richard E. Grant. Or can you ever forgive me? Yeah, I mean, I said it just a moment ago, but I think this one is, again, another uh, pretty set in stone at this point that Mahershala Ali is going to win. I think early in award season, maybe we weren't as sure about this one. Richard E. Grant had a little bit of buzz early in award season. I think if, if anyone could steal it from Mahershala, it'd probably be Richard E. Grant. But I think this is Mahershala's to lose. I think he's going to be the only the second person ever, I believe, to win uh, best supporting actor twice. That's a, that's a, that's a stat right there. That's a good stat. First up, Walt being one. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I think that Adam Driver. There there has been some buzz about Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Uh, he and Mahershala Ali share the unfortunate reality that I don't know why they're nominated in this category. They're they are co leads mm-hmm. in my opinion. But uh, you vote for the best performance in the category, right? Maybe may, maybe there's some like moral question around whether you should vote for the best def- the best person who fits the definition of the category and not the uh, the best performance. I don't know. But if that were true, Richard E. Grant is probably then my vote. But Mahershala Ali, I know the Academy probably doesn't really care about the definition of supporting. Once, the, once it's in, it's in. And because it's in, it's going to be Mahershala Ali, I think. All right. Best actress, Yulitza Aparicio, Roma. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. Glenn Close for The Wife. Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Just like last year, it's a loaded category. All of these are great performances, but it's going to be between two names, um, as so many of these categories are. I think Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close. And Glenn Close obviously has been, you know, the the benefactor, benefactor so far in awards season. She's won most things. Uh, and I think that I ultimately am I'm gonna pick her. I throw Olivia Coleman in there simply as the the person who I think has the best chance to to steal this one from her. Wouldn't be shocked if like we've seen this in the past with like Sylvester Stallone recently, for example, someone who had all the buzz, won all of the awards leading up to the Oscars, 
you know, he had sort of the fact that he was an accomplished actor, uh, you know, or had, had been in the business for a while going for him. And, and, you know, people thought here's his, here's his case for a body of work Oscar. But I don't know that that's necessarily what Glenn Close would be getting if she got it for the wife. I think it's an excellent performance standing on its own. I, I can't, I just can't see any of these stealing it from her, even though I think, you know, Olivia Coleman maybe has an outside chance. You're absolutely right about one thing, and that is that this is a loaded category. I mean, there's people, there's more people who don't make this list that I think are just, uh, you know, just as in contention or at least should be considered in a wider field of people just as in contention as everyone else on this list. It's just such a strong category. Year, I mean, now it's year after year, it's a strong category now. And, but you're right. Glenn Close has won everything. I think that early on in Oscar season, to your point, people were saying body of work Oscar if she wins it. But, you know, I, I've disagreed with those people from the beginning. When I saw this, when I saw this performance, I walked out of the theater thinking, you know, I think that's going to be your Oscar winner. You know, granted at the time I hadn't seen all the movies of the year. I hadn't seen, you know, you know, three of these other four movies yet. I don't think, uh, or maybe, maybe two I hadn't seen. I'm not sure. I, don't, I mean, definitely not the favorite, definitely not Rome. I just can't remember if I saw, can you ever forgive me first or not? But the point is, is that this is a great, great movie. It's a great, great performance. Uh, and I think Glenn Close is going to take it again. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Olivia Coleman or Lady Gaga won this Oscar. I think that it's too early in Lady Gaga's career, probably for the Academy to give her a best actress award. And for Olivia Coleman, I think she's just going to fall a little bit short here uh, is a great performance. But again, you know, Glenn Close stands head and shoulders above everyone else in her movie. And I think that benefits her in a, in a tight race, right? Olivia Coleman doesn't stand head and shoulders above Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone, in my opinion, or Nicholas Holt for that matter, although he's not nominated. But at the end of the day, I think the fact that you, the, the contrast between Glenn Close and even though there were strong performances also from, you know, the likes of, of Christian Slater and uh, I forgetting who the co-lead is with her, Jonathan Price. Yes. Thank you. Um, But I think that she is very much uh, head and shoulders above them in in acting. And I think that will, that has helped her uh, as award season has gone on when, when people have been thinking about the best performances of the year. And I think that the, you know, the Academy is going to agree with me there. And I think it's going to be Glenn Close. And I think that Scott Mance is going to win that bet. (laughs) I hope so for Mance's sake. Yeah. All right. Best actor, Christian Bale for vice Vigo Mortensen for green book, Willem Dafoe for at eternity's gate. Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, and Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I think this is between the two actors and the two worst movies nominated for uh, Best Picture, right? So you have Christian Bale for Vice, and you have Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think it's so tough, right? Because the Academy loves those physical transformations. We saw it you know, most recently that I can think of. Eddie Redmayne is, is a good example of someone who... He did a physical transformation. Some might say he didn't do very much other than that, but they gave him the Oscar. But, you know, you have that with both candidates here, right? Like you have Rami Malek transforming into Freddie Mercury. You have Christian Bale transforming into Dick Cheney. I think ultimately, I I really don't know which way to come down on this, but just because, again, here we go. I'm going to say it again. I'm cynical. And I think that the Hollywood liberal elite is going to... uh, resonate with a movie like Vice, you know, specifically how Christian Bale portrays Dick Cheney, obviously very hated figure. And I think that even though he's the one, you know, he, he, he hasn't got an Oscar here, uh, or he, ha- he does have an Oscar as opposed to Rami Malek. I think that, again, because of the target, because of the demographic here that we have voting, I like Christian Bale to win this, even though I don't like Christian Bale to win this. <laughs> I, t- I take your point. I yeah. think that that's interesting. I think I've heard the conversation about this award uh, the, uh, with between the two people that you're, you've described, because I think that ultimately is where all the hype is, is like some people have kind of visualized it as, all right, are you voting for Freddie Mercury? Or are you voting for Dick Cheney? And that's why some people have argued that it will be Rami Malek winning for Bohemian Rhapsody because everyone loves Freddie Mercury and everyone hates Dick Cheney. You present kind of the other side of the coin, which I think is, oh, this is clearly not a positive uh, presentation of Dick Cheney. So, you know, we like it there too. And I come down hard because it's tough for me because if I'm voting here, you know, my decisions between Vigo Mortensen and Bradley Cooper and, and, you know, they're obviously they're not in the conversation. I didn't see at eternity's gate. So it's a, it's a tough one there for Willem Dafoe. I just haven't seen it. But you know, for me as as a voter, it would, like I said, it'd be between Vigo Mortensen and Bradley Cooper. I'm not even sure where I'd shake out, but the reality is that I don't think that's where the, like the, the head of the Academy is at. I think that the head of the Academy is exactly where you described 
And so I'm going to go with Remy Malik. I think they're going to vote Bo Rap. I'm going with that one. I wouldn't be surprised to see Christian Bale win it. Uh, it would make my heart warm for Bradley Cooper to win it, though. Yeah, that's not going to happen, I don't think. Although, you know, maybe some people have questioned because he didn't get the best director nod. Does this signal anything about best actor? But I don't think so against, again, these people doing physical transformations as real life figures. The Oscars eat that up. Well, whatever. I don't I don't agree with that, but neither do you. So I'm preaching to the choir, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, best picture. Black Panther. Black Klansman. Bohemian Rhapsody. The Favorite. Green Book, Roma, and nope, just kidding. Not the last one. A Star is Born and Vice. I tried, Scott. I tried. There's so much you can talk about with this category because months ago, A Star is Born would have been the clear front runner, and now it's pretty much faded from the picture. You have Green Book, which has had so many ups and downs, you know, in terms of the, again, the PR stuff we've talked about, but has taken home a lot of big awards. You have uh, Roma, which I don't think people necessarily consider to be a top candidate for best picture going into the Oscars. But then it, out of I won't say out of nowhere, but to, to the surprise of, of a lot of people, he got the most nominations. And now, you know, it's being seriously talked about as the, the winner for this. And you also have the favorite, which has a lot of nominations. I think, you know, people are, are kind of forgetting about this movie and certainly forgetting about the fact that it has... 10 nominations. And so I, I think you can't count it out uh, because of that. I think, you know, The Shape of Water, again, was a movie last year, which had the most nominations at the Oscar. But I don't think people I think people were were leaning elsewhere when it came to Best Picture. They were leaning towards movies like Three Billboards or, or even Get Out, maybe. Ultimately, you know, the, the, the Oscars obviously went with Shape of Water. So, you know, again, like I said, the favorite can't be counted out simply because of the sheer width of its nominations. I think those are probably your your top candidates there. I can't see any other movie really pulling an upset. Uh, Black Panther, I mean, I think it, it's cool to see it nominated because of what it means for, for superhero movies and comic book movies. But I think it's it's an honor to be nominated, to borrow the old phrase, um, it, when, when we're talking about Black Panther. Black Klansman, I just don't think there's enough buzz surrounding this movie. And Bohemian Rhapsody's chances, I think, have really gone in the toilet after the Golden Globes and, and just how how people were irate about this. For me, it ultimately comes down to Green Book and Roma. And I think I'm going to go with Green Book. I just can't see. I mean, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about the Academy being more diverse. I mean, I think The Shape of Water reflects that, the fact that they picked not a traditional Oscar fair to, to win Best Picture last year. But, you know, again, there's there's that hard-hearted part of me which thinks – Green Book is the most standard Oscar Beatty movie in this category. And although, you know, it has it has had some trouble in terms of PR, I think that in terms of this category, in terms of the best picture category, it's managed to sort of steer clear of that. And I think that the Oscars are going to make a lot of people mad uh, and they're going to choose uh, Peter Farrelly's movie as the best picture. Uh, although I sincerely hope that they go with Roma. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think that the way the voting system works for best picture is that it's or maybe for all of them. I'm not sure uh, it, it is ranked. It's ranked preferences, I think. Right. So it's like the idea that you're not just voting. You're not voting once you're voting. You're ranking You know, your top three, top five or whatever. I don't know if they're even ranking all of them, maybe. And so it brings in the conversation of not what was necessarily everyone's favorite film of the year, but what might have been everyone's favorite so, you know, second favorite film of the year, the, the film that, you know, very few people vote for as their favorite, but that is universally liked enough where it actually pushes through to the head of the pack. I'm not sure that Green Book has that given the the criticisms that it's faced. I don't like it wouldn't I mean it wouldn't surprise me I guess if it won ever. I think I think retrospectively everyone would be like, "Well, of course it was going to win. It, it won all the other awards leading into it in terms of best pictures." But three billboards did that last year. Yeah, I mean you're right. You're right. I think I mean, that's a good point. You're arguing against yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate. And, and when everyone's like second favorite film, and if I'm starting to think about that, you know, something like Black Klansman or Black Panther, it really starts to resonate with me about how like, oh, you know, these movies have a real chance because of that voting system. I think that, you know, I wouldn't say that Black Panther was universally liked, but something like Black Klansman, I think really was universally liked. I wouldn't be surprised if Black Klansman is one of those movies that makes second or third on every person's list and and only a few number ones, right? So 
I'm almost arguing myself into saying Black Klansman has a good shot at winning Best Picture. Uh, although when I zoom out, I don't know if I actually believe that. And I am ultimately going to go with Roma just because I, I mean, I'm probably biased that I think it's the best film of the year. I think that it's number of nominations uh, pushes it forward. You know, maybe I'm not giving enough, enough favor to the to, enough credit to the favorite because you're absolutely right. It also has 10 nominations and it could be another movie. That's an example of, you know, it's on everyone's short list. It's on everyone's like top two or three movies, even if, you know, for each individual voter, something like Roma or something like A Star is Born, something like Vice even might be at the top of their list, but the favorite is still kind of there in the background for everyone. It's never quite, you know, it's never lower than like, you know, four or five. You know what I mean? So it, I think this is a really tough one to pick. I think it's a really tough, and, and that's not because there aren't enough, like a, a lot of really high quality movies this year. It's just that there are a lot of really good movies. Then there isn't one that stands, stands, you know, of these eight head and shoulders above the rest in terms of its chances, right? I think Roma does stand head and shoulders above the rest, but I'm ter- talking about it in terms of its chances at winning the Oscar. I am going to go with Roma. Uh, I don't feel very confident in that, in that pick, but the problem is I don't feel very, very confident in any of these picks. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah. I hear what you're saying about the way that the voting shakes out. And ultimately when I sit down to, to do my ballot, maybe I will go with Roma just because I mean, green book, obviously on the surface, it has been polarizing, but I think you have to you have to take what you see on Twitter with a grain of salt, right? Because there's so many people who will will say one thing on Twitter, but then when they go into that voting booth, or I mean, obviously they're not going into an actual voting booth, but when they're they're alone filling out their ballot, no one is looking over their shoulder. Who knows what they're going to go with? Maybe they're they're more likely to be true to their own feelings than they would be when they're trying to get retweet. It, it's hard to say. And like I said, maybe I'll go with Roma in the end. But for now, I'm leaning towards Green Book. All I'm going to say is God knows. God knows what they vote for. He does. That's true. All right, Scott. I, uh, that's it. That's our that's our Oscar predictions. It's so interesting to hear you say about, oh, I don't know if I'll go with my ultimate vote. So I'm like, well, what were the predictions for that if you're not going to ultimately vote for these things? Look, we're, I mean, we're to, to be fair, we're th- what, two, three weeks out. So I mean, a, a lot can happen between now and then. Like at this point last year, I would have t- probably told you three billboards was going to win. But ultimately, when it did come down to it, I call I, I said the shape of water and, and it did uh, ultimately pull it out. So Who knows what can happen? Maybe, you know, we'll have some more scandals between now and the Oscars. Yeah, well, uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, you are listening to only two days before the Oscars. So, you know how far in advance we're recording, we're (laughs) recording this. So uh, hopefully nothing major happens in the next two weeks. Although that being said, Scott, like voting opens on. Well, I mean, we're recording this podcast on uh, on a Saturday. I think voting opens, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday next week and it closes not just not right before. Right. So it's not like there's that much time left between now and when when the Oscar um, or the, when the Academy is voting, right? So there, there isn't that much time left. You're right. Again, you, you never know what's going to happen. Even by the end of today, we could have a huge scandal that comes out. Sure. I'm just saying that if there's going to be a scandal, it needs to happen fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but hopefully we won't have one. All right. That'll just about do it for our special Oscar predictions episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, do you have any par- parting thoughts to leave us with today? Uh, everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Okay. Where can people find you on Twitter? And also, this song is going to get stuck in your head. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. You'll, you'll know what I mean after you see the Lego movie. Yeah, fair enough. We'll see. It didn't happen for me, Scott. We'll see if it happens for our listeners. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Scarvy Dent. All right. You can find me at, at SShelton2013 over on Twitter. And you can also find our podcast on Twitter. And we love it if you followed us over there. That's at Media Plug Pods. We'd love it even more, however, if you checked out our podcast Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Media Plug Pods. There are a bunch of different reward tiers over there, depending on how much you're able to pledge, how much you're willing to pledge, whatever that might be. And we'd really appreciate it if you if you contributed even only at the $1 level. That would, that would really help us out. We'd love that. Maybe next year, if we get enough support, we can do a cash prize for our Oscars pool. You never know. Uh, again, that's www.patreon.com slash media plug pods. Uh, check it out for yourself. If you choose not to support us over on Patreon, that's totally fine. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts. And another change for 2019, as we're, as we're still trying to push out our, our changes, is that we're on Podbean now, not SoundCloud anymore. That's www.podbean.com slash media plug pods, where we'd also appreciate it if you rated and reviewed us, subscribed, shared all that jazz. We continue to reach a broader audience in 2019. I mentioned that's one change. We have bigger changes coming up just in the next uh, few weeks. So stay tuned for that. I think it's really going to change the way people consume our podcast and and hopefully all for the better. 
I've said enough, though. We really appreciate all of you taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about the Oscars, uh, not just about movies this time, about the Oscars, making our Oscar predictions. But uh, until next time, stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, I'm Scott Shelton for Scott Harvey. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>